You're listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, a podcast discussing the latest trends in technology in the food and supplement industries, featuring conversations with regulatory experts, quality and safety champions, and thought leaders across the industry. The podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to today's episode of Transparency Talk with Trustwell, where we will continue the conversation around FISMA 204 and traceability. My name is Katie Jones, and I'm the Chief Strategy and Marketing Officer here at Trustwell. In today's episode, we'll take a closer look at the top three myths of FISMA 204. And as a reminder, FISMA 204, that enhanced regulation around required record keeping for traceability. We're going to set the record straight. We'll explore common misperceptions surrounding the law's requirements, such as the belief that only large companies need to comply or that you can solely rely on your external partners for all of your traceability data. We'll dive into those myths. And we're once again joined by Julie McGill, Trustwell's Vice President President of Supply Chain Strategy and Insights. Julie, welcome once again. Thanks so much. Awesome. Well, I think it's so important for us to, um, as we as we do here at Trustwell, talk to lots and lots of companies across the industry. And we hear these things um, that, you know, just aren't true. Um, And so I thought this episode could focus on those myths so that we could go ahead and and challenge those myths that we're hearing across the industry, you know, as an authority in this area. So we'll start with the first one. Um, The first myth, I am a restaurant operator and I plan to get all of the traceability data from my distribution partners. Yep, and this is a great, uh, you know, this is a great question. Um, the FDA does call out in FISMA 204 that companies can engage a third party to perform the record keeping on their behalf. Mm. And so, for example, a restaurant operator may work with their distributors to collect critical tracking event data. Um, And most of the data that operators need to collect, uh, the receiving event, is similar to the data that's required for the shipping event, which they, uh, that event is owned by the distributor. So there's a lot of similarities between um, those two records. However, um, the operator themselves needs to understand that uh, they need to make sure that what they're getting from their distributor, right, that that information is accurate and correct. And so at Trustwell, we do have operators today who are not scanning in store. However, they are capturing critical tracking event data from all their distributor partners. But what they do is they receive that in FoodLogic, and then they marry that data with other trusted sources, such as invoices, purchase orders, and other records that really help them validate the data from their distributors to pull together that whole, that full picture of their supply chain down to the lot level. So, uh, like I said, the rule outlines that companies may choose to engage with a consultant, an individual, a solution provider, or supply chain partners to capture and maintain traceability records on their behalf. However, the FDA is very clear that the covered entity, so the CTE owner, which would be the operator in this instance, would ultimately be responsible for ensuring that the records can be retrieved and provided within 24 hours of a request. 
So you'll need to think this through, right? Your process isn't just about getting the data from your distributor. It's about making sure that the program works and that you have complete and accurate data. And also, if you have more than one distributor, you might be getting different data and po possibly like different spreadsheets that are formatted in different ways. And you'll have to combine all that data to provide to the FDA. So making sure that your process works for all of your locations, all of your partners, all of your products, and that you're able to execute that within 24 hours. Um, in addition, uh, the FDA is requiring something called a traceability plan. And if you're having a third party collect the data on your behalf, you'll need to um, uh, detail the terms of that agreement in your traceability plan. Mm. Net, net, I, I would say having data at your fingertips in a system such as uh, Trustwell's FoodLogic traceability product ensures that you have visibility that you need to ensure compliance and meet that 24-hour deadline. Yeah. Well, this is, it's new. It's yeah. new for this um, particular uh, portion of the supply chain. Um, so I think there are a lot of, uh, and, and it is a lot of data to your point. And so trying to understand where uh, restaurant operators will be able to get that data. But ultimately, you know, what I hear you saying is that, yes, you will be able to receive this data and get this data from a lot of different um, places. You can augment that data through integrations into, you know, POS or other types of systems where you may um, may receive that data. But ultimately, you are responsible. Yes. Um, the restaurant operator is ultimately responsible to provide that data to the FDA within 24 hours. Yeah. The other thing yeah. that um, I heard from an operator, they had they had assumed that they were the last point of contact in the chain. Mm. And I'd like to point out that a lot of these investigations start with the operator, right? So yes. they figure out that everybody's common point was they all got a salad from restaurant A, or they mm -hmm. all had a, mm -hmm. a sandwich from restaurant A, and that's where they start the investigation. Right. So you want to make sure if you're that first point of contact that you're able to get that data so that the FDA can move swiftly on yeah. the investigation. Yes. Great point. All right, let's move on to our second myth. Food traceability is only a requirement for large companies. Yeah. So, uh, you know, FISMA is interesting. FISMA 204 includes the entire supply chain. And the thresholds for exemptions are are not that high. They're they're quite low. And I'll speak to what some of those are, but there are full and partial exemptions by product and by role and by company size. And this applies to things like, you know, um, ready to eat deli salads are on the list, but um, the meat salads are regulated by the USDA. So if things are regulated by USDA, it's not on the food traceability list. Things like nonprofit food establishments and farm to school programs, um, shell egg producers with less than 3,000 laying hens, um, pro small produce farms with less than 25,000 in sales. Um, so there's a whole host of exemptions and the FDA has an exemptions tool on their website so that companies can can determine if they qualify for a full or a partial exemption. So if we look at some of them, for example, the exemptions at the end of the chain for retail food establishments and restaurants, it's that they would have an average monetary value of food sold or provided over a three-year rolling period of no more than $250,000. So that, that they could get a, a um, 
full exemption if, if they meet that qualification. Mm-hmm. Um, but for restaurants that um, there's a partial exemption, if your three-year uh, rolling basis uh, revenue is a million dollars, now you still have to do the record keeping, but you're exempt from the sortable spreadsheet. So you okay. still have to provide data within 24 hours, but you don't have to provide the the sortable spreadsheet. The other thing that we get a lot of questions on, and, and folks have talked about this quite a bit, is um, ad hoc purchases, right? Oftentimes, uh, you know, a restaurant might run out of a particular product, and instead of getting it from their distributor, they go to the grocery store, right? And they buy a couple heads of lettuce, or they buy some tomatoes, et cetera. Um, the rule does have a call out for that where they denote that the purchaser must keep a record, like a sales receipt, that documents the name of the product purchased, the date of purchase, and the name of the address of the place of purchase. So, um, like I said, the the size, right, lar- that large, you know, the definition of large is, is relative, <laughs> right? Right. And so they do have these different numbers that are tied to revenue, that are tied to the size of your business, like with the, with the shell egg producers. Um, but what I want to emphasize is, like, these exemptions are tricky. So companies are going to want to make sure that they understand what applies to them. And also, if you have a partial exemption, right, for something like that ad hoc purchase, make sure that you understand the different requirements, right, that might be different Mm -hmm. than capturing the entire record. Maybe you just have to capture a partial record. Right. So, yeah. Well, I think this, um, it it makes sense that companies may uh, be thinking in this way because so many of the waves of implementation and and deadlines around um, the Food Safety Modernization Act as a whole were based on company size. So, you know, it's certainly, it does make a lot of sense that, you know, people might be thinking in this way. Um, But it sounds like they're there are these exemptions. There's a couple that are, you know, a little, a little complicated. Um, but mm-hmm. ensuring that um, individuals are using the tool that the FDA has provided um, to really just know where they stand and to understand if this applies to them and how. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We'll move now to our third and final myth. So this is really around the uh, the data and the data capture. So we've heard this a lot. This myth that we'll be busting. I can track everything I need in Excel. Right. So one thing I want to point out is that in the rule, the FDA does not prescribe how you collect the data, mm-hmm. right? But it does say that the records must be legible. They need to be stored to prevent deterioration or loss, right? Mm-hmm. So there are some parameters around. They need to be available, right? They right. need they they can be done in many different ways. As I say often, I say you know it's choose your own adventure, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be done. They do call this out. It can be storing original paper, electronic or true copies. Um, the other piece is that however you choose. It has to be kept for two years. So you need to store all of this information for two years. And so for most companies, just the sheer volume of data does not make Excel a good candidate for data capture or for data storage, right? So having validations in place, making sure that the data is complete, that you've got data from every location, uh, for every FTL item, right? That gets tricky on a spreadsheet, right? The other piece is storing that much data for two years would really make a spreadsheet, just spreadsheet management would be a chore, Mm -hmm. 
right, for that much data. So the other thing I want to say is whatever route you choose, you need to think about where your company is today and where your business is going to be in 2026, right? Because in 2026, compliance is going to be required. Between now and then, are you implementing any new systems? What new products will you be using? Are there any acquisitions on the horizon for your company, right? So for most, um, you know, we, we'd like to hope that our company is growing over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to want to put in a process and maybe even systems that are going to grow with you, right? So you, you need to be thinking future, right? Because once this is in place, it's part of your daily operations. The other thing that I tell folks is there's value to this data right? This is, don't think of this as a regulation. Having better visibility into your supply chain, understanding the freshness of products or, or you know, the, the velocity of items and things like that um, can reap benefits, you know, across your organization. So companies definitely, you know, as you're approaching this, um, keep those things in mind. So back to the whole, you know, spreadsheet conundrum. <laughs> um, with spreadsheets, uh, you know, uh, here at, at Trustwell, we do have a product called um, Food Logic Traceability that companies can um, load uh, their critical tracking event data into our platform. And we recognize that companies, you know, supply chain partners have various technical capabilities, right? So we actually offer seven different data loading formats, including a spreadsheet. Um, We have an online form, we have a spreadsheet upload, FTP, EDI, API. Uh, We have our mobile app. And we even have some customers that are using RFID to capture lot and serialize data for each and every product, right? So we've got some folks that are kind of cutting edge um, with that data capture piece. Mm -hmm. But big picture, when we talk about capturing those critical tracking events and getting the data to the FDA, um, you'll want to think about you know, how am I able to filter that data, get to the data that I need, and put that into a sortable spreadsheet within 24 hours, right? So if all of your data is in one Excel spreadsheet, sorting that, managing all those lines of data, especially when when that's building day by day, week by week for every single delivery, can you do it? Yes. But but think big picture, right? How much volume am I talking about? And do I need to consider other things like possibly storing that data in the cloud or somewhere where where you know it's it's all available and referenceable and at my fingertips? I think that um We've seen such an evolution, right, of uh, um, technology adoption in the in the food industry over the years, uh, getting further and further um, ahead as a modern food company, and the importance of, you know, no longer leveraging you know, hard copy or, you know, basic digital records, making sure that that data is centralized to your point um, in the cloud, easily accessible, um, shareable within your organization and within your supply chain partners as well, um, which clearly connectivity and connection across um, those supply chain partners is a critical uh, element of, of FISMA 204 and of traceability execution in general. Absolutely. And and I would really end with, uh, you know, kind of looking ahead, um, some of the things that the FDA is putting in place, um, where they're u- doing pilots with uh, AI and other uh, mm-hmm. technologies, um, 
you know, they're they're looking ahead as well. And so when we think of things like the new era of smarter food safety, um, they're talking about those as part of the pillars of that, right? They talk about tech-enabled traceability and, and um, you know, modernizing our food system, right? And, and much of that is going to uh, include uh, companies embracing new technologies to capture this information. And like I said before, in FISMA 204, it does not prescribe that you have to use technology. However, uh, both in the final rule and in the new era, they are encouraging companies to explore and adopt um, uh, tech-based traceability solutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Julie, thank you so much. I hope um, we've uh, we've cleared up some of the misperceptions in the industry um, with um, – I'm going to start over again because I had that uh, – okay. Julie, thank you so much. I think we've done um, a really great job of clearing up some of these misperceptions that we hear in the industry around FISMA 204, as you've mentioned multiple times, lots of um, uh, intricacies to this ruling and really important for companies to understand where they stand. And uh, just really appreciate, again, you being on, uh, on the podcast today with us once again. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, I will wrap us up here. Many of these topics discussed today are also covered in a recently published report by Trustwell, the Trustwell 2023 State of Traceability Report. We issued this research um, to really do a detailed dive into the traceability challenges and the successes that food businesses are facing uh, today and moving forward as they think through compliance to FISMA 204. We look at the external factors and uh, really what's driving adoption in the industry, as well as how the industry is adapting to these increased regulations. You can download that full report including a few more resources on both our traceability product, FoodLogic, and professional services that we offer in the link provided in the podcast notes. Thank you again so much for tuning into Transparency Talk with Trustwell, where we explore the critical role of transparency and building trust and driving positive change in today's food chain. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell. To learn more about Trustwell and its technology platform that connects product formulation, nutrition analysis, and compliant labeling with traceability, recall readiness, and supply chain transparency, please visit www.trustwell.com.